This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Transgender Point of View is an Australian news and current affair panel talk show. Airing weekly and hosted by Joy 94.9. Transgender people come from every region around the world, racial and ethnic backgrounds and faith communities. Chances are that you've met a transgender person, even if you don't know it. But there are still many misconceptions about trans people. And as a transgender person, there are a lot of questions asked of us every day. What's this about using they as a pronoun? Isn't letting a trans person use my bathroom dangerous? Do I refer to you as he, she, it or they? So what's your real name? Are you a drag queen? What's the difference between sex and gender and why does it matter so much? Did you have the operation? What is stealth? How does someone know they are transgender? Really random questions. Are you sure you're not just super gay? You must be a transvestite. What bathroom do you use? Will I be able to have sex? What does cis mean? to Trans POV on Joy 94.9 with Anastasia, Rowan and Karen. So yesterday, Transgender Day of Remembrance? Yeah. I guess I feel like after quite an emotion pat, emotion pat day, we need something light and something cheerful, you know? Yeah, I mean, my partner and I were there and I was uh, listening to the Informer show just now and they covered some of the highlights and really poignant parts and I think it was um, it was my first Transgender Day of Remembrance to go to a vigil. Uh, Same actually, I'd never been to an event before. Yeah, it was really moving, it was really good. And I think um, that the positive thing coming out this year particularly was that I see, I saw a lot more young people Mm. and a lot more support from allies so I think the world is changing for the better. Yeah, I mean, Seb was there. So do you remember mm. we interviewed Seb a few weeks ago? Yeah. Seb was there from Minus 18. Oh, yeah, Rachel introduced us to each other, and I went, your voice is very familiar. <laughs> yes. Um, we spoke weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Nice to actually meet you face-to-face. Yeah. And and Why Gender were there, mm. and um, Out for Australia, I think. Yes, Out for Australia, yeah. And some cool musicians between Mirrors played. And I, Teddy Darling, yeah. who was on the show when Miri interviewed them, like, many weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was like We a are a tiny, of... tiny community, and we all know each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so apparently he's right. Like, all of the gays know each other, and all of the trans know each other. Mm. <laughs> Pretty insular. Also at the Remembrance uh Day Vigil, we saw Ro Allen speak. Um, if you don't know, Ro Allen is sort of our Equality Commissioner for LGBTQ Matters. Yeah. Um, and they sort of an- announced during sort of a sharing session that they would be starting work on a project to work with coroners to sort of look into historic uh, deaths and see if there are more trans people than we really know. Uh, present there and see I, they said it's going to you know it's coming up it's not a current in the works project it's very early days but I'm really interested to see how that develops so we'll try and keep you updated on that situation as we go through 
I, I was really interested that actually the coroners in Victoria have a prevention office. So um, if there are trends in people's um, deaths, then they actually, the prevention office then educates people. So part of this project isn't just about identifying people that were trans whose family may be misgendered them or the police misgendered them um, but actually once they are identified are there any lessons that we can learn to prevent yeah. those deaths in the future so I think that not only will it recognize the past but it might change yeah. the future as it's well. It's not just remembrance it's also incredibly practical for like everyday trans people and how we're going to navigate the world. Yeah. yeah. And I, I found some um some words that I shared with some colleagues at work about the Day of Remembrance and um, they were kind of guiding principles of the day and the one that hits me the most is those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it which is a fairly well-known phrase hmm. um, it's also it's up to us to remember the people who've lost their lives because the killers and law enforcement and the media and their families often erase their existence or definitely you know, misgender them and I just want to say as an ally you know um, transgender lives are affirmed and have value and I think that we can all make a difference by not just on that one day a year or not just on Trans Awareness Week or not just on, you know, the US Have Transgender Awareness Month, but every day showing up, speaking out on behalf of my friends and colleagues and, um, and being there for them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, coming up, we have an interview with Lucille Kerr uh, following up on the Latrobe study on trans health after the break. Hey, you. Yeah, you, in the car. Did you know that a big portion of people who listen to Joy listen to Joy in the car, just like you? Right now, times are really tough financially, and without your support, Joy may not be around to make your drive around Melbourne fun. So tell your siblings, your workmates, heck, even wind down your window and tell someone else stuck in the traffic to head over to joy.org.au and help us build Joy Nation by making a donation. Joy. Your voice, your radio station.
That song is Young Republicans by the band Lower Dens. So they're a shoegaze duo from Baltimore, fronted by a trans-mass singer, Jana Hunter. Um, that song was from their 2019 album, The Competition. But the reason I really like that song, and it is one of my favorites of theirs, I do really like this band, um, is because it got the blacklisted from a couple of US radio stations because it makes fun of conservative, rich youth especially if you watch the music video. <laughs> um, but I think it's pretty light. Like, it's just a really good song. And if you don't listen to the lyrics, you don't even know. Yeah. So, <laughs> aside from the title, Young Republicans, I guess. But you could also take that the other way as a celebratory song, which it is definitely not. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's who we're playing tonight in the artist highlight, Lower Dens, an awesome uh, trans rep for okay. our music. In this section, we mentioned about Lucy Kerr. Lucy is a researcher at La Trobe University who has done some amazingly insightful research around the experiences of the trans and gender diverse communities with accessing mainstream health services. So just first question, uh, what is your background and why did you want to do this research? Well, I'm a specialist cancer nurse. So I started out um, with my Bachelor of Nursing and then I did honours research, um, which was actually on aged care for trans and gender diverse people. Um, and what emerged from that was kind of, I suppose, a little bit of a side issue, but it came up, and that was that people just didn't want to attend for cancer screening. Um, so being a cancer nurse, I kind of understood the ramifications of that, which aren't good, you know. Um, it can lead to an increase in morbidity and mortality. So um, I saw kind of that there was that gap in knowledge there and awareness, and that there was a need for the research, so I decided to take up a PhD on it. And do you have a connection to the community in any way, or...? Uh, no, no, I don't, just just an ally. I, I mean, I think for me it's just it's just a belief that everyone deserves the same level of um, quality in their healthcare and a recognition that the trans and gender diverse community just aren't really receiving that at the moment. Yeah, it's actually really good to hear when people just say, oh, no, I'm just, you know, think people should be treated right instead of being like, well, actually, I have a child and that made me start. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh, no, I'm just care about people so you know so lucy is just another human being <laughs> yeah and truly sticks to her profession you know like providing yeah. care for all kind of people that's so wonderful um so <laughs> how did you recruit your respondents so it was mostly through facebook advertising and something called snowball sampling so it looks like around a third was from snowball sampling and that just means that it's basically word of mouth so i had heaps of help from the community they were really really supportive um, so I'm really appreciative for that. Thanks to everyone that helped. Um, I was also on the the gender agenda actually helped me to recruit participants yeah. at the time as well. A while so that back. was I remember that. Was, that. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks to Joy as well for helping me there. Yeah. Um, and I think I got a really great sample size from that. So I think community is, is a great way to be getting the word out about research. So you found that half of people with a cervix eligible for cervical screening never had a healthcare provider recommend this. Do you know why this is? Uh, well, we didn't, there wasn't follow-up questions, but I would anticipate a lot of it is because uh, perhaps healthcare providers aren't aware enough. They don't know to ask. They're not yeah. having those kind of really... The, the conversations that they need to be having, basically. 
Um, so, I mean, th those findings around cervical screening, I think, are a huge concern. Only 18% said that they were regular screeners and more than half had never been for a cervical screen. So there's a lot of work, I think, around that. And it's probably mostly just raising awareness amongst health providers that this is, a, that this is an issue. I think it also comes from, as a trans man, it comes from us as well. Just we need to sort of encourage each other mm. to be like, no, we actually have to do it, even though it seems like horrible. Like, I think the community mm. also mm. needs to look around at each other and be like, no, we actually have to do this. You know, mm. um, I think it's both sides mm. need to encourage, you know, this like education on both sides that's necessary. You're yeah. so nice. Mm. You know, for me, I thought it was just, you know, mis misogyny within <laughs> the healthcare system, you know, just simply because. Having cervix is a very female thing and they just yeah. discriminate against women in general. I even think it could be just, you know, they come in, like someone like me comes in, if I'm just seeing a GP and they see my, my beard scruff mm. and they go, they forget that it's like a thing to recommend. Mm. You know, I don't even think yeah. it's malicious. It's just mm. uh, a bit mm. of a hole that we have in sort of assumptions in society. Mm. And then, um, so when, with your outcome and it was um, very insightful, have you had a chance to meet with the Department of Health and Human Services in Victoria to discuss your findings? Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't yet been able to meet up with them. I, I do believe that copies of the report have been passed on to them, so that's hopefully, you know, that's promising. Um, and I also, I did, I did meet with the Commissioner for Gender and Sexuality, Ro Allen, um, and obviously oh. they were very supportive and wanted to do as much as they could to um, help to get the recommendations met. Uh, mm. So you make several recommendations in your report. Can you explain your top recommendation or recommendations? I mean, I think it is actually pretty basic. I think it's just person-centred care. So I think healthcare workers... Um, to be able to provide, need to be aware and informed. So yeah. training and education are both, are, are both really important. Um, but aside from that, it's just really the person-centred care. So the healthcare providers need to be communicating well with their patients and they need to have empathy. Um, you know, it's, it's something that the healthcare providers are taught to do and should be doing anyway. anyway. But I think there's just that gap in knowledge that's yeah. making it hard for them at the moment. So yeah. hopefully with, you know, training training and awareness raising that, you know, it'll yeah. be improved. Do you think, because mm. um, for me, um, I have a background in science myself and medical science or health sciences can be quite linear and binary in the way of thinking especially mm. when we, we are so used to century-old um, terminologies and all of that, do you think that mm. would actually impact on these results we have now? Um, I have certainly heard from, because I did interviews as well as the survey, I've certainly heard from people, you know, who, are, who have experienced cancer going through the system and stuff, just how gendered the system can be, how gendered, just the assumptions that healthcare providers yeah. make. And I think I think it's a very um, sort of material body thing with medical sciences where it is so focused on the body. So they have this rigid kind of view that isn't necessarily as flexible as having a more social kind of understanding of things. So whether trans-related or not, do you have a next project that you're working on or something upcoming for you? Uh, well, I'm still just going through. So I released the report, but for me, the PhDs will still take a little bit yeah. to finish. So I'm just working on journal articles and trying to, um, you know, produce the right journal, journal articles that will sort of help for the future. So 
yeah, writing one on cervical screening and, and problems accessing care. So, yeah, that'll take up my next year and see what happens after that, I guess. So for me, I'm quite curious because usually with social movement and visibility, trans women or feminine identifying individuals are more visible. Yeah. But in the media release, there's more of a masculine identifying individuals in the report. Would you be able to explain? The stories that were published for the media release um, were just chosen by the media department because they were the ones that they thought had the most pull, but yeah. um, in terms of that was, um, they were my interview participants, so I had 12 interview participants, and I think four were trans men, four were gender diverse, and four were trans women, so right. I had a good spread there, so yeah. Yeah. Um, once I can start writing a, an article on that, then, you know, more, that can be sort of more holistically looked at. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. I you know, haven't made my way through the entire thing. Um, but a I, lot. I, yeah, <laughs> I actually, it was really, really interesting. Um, so thank you so much for coming in to speak to us. And thank you for your wonderful thank you work for having as well. Me. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Welcome back to TransPV on Joy 94.9. You're here with Rowan, Anna and Karen and we're about to talk about film and gaming in re- you know, regards to trans people. So, um, Anna, you're yeah. a gamer, I hear. Yes, <laughs> and apparently a lot of people, especially straight males, are very surprised by this. <laughs> like, I play Grand Theft Auto and I play Pokemon and I still play Diablo and Counter-Strike sometimes. <laughs> So, yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a video game coming out. We touched on this on the breakfast uh, show on Monday, but it's called Tell Me Why. If anyone who has played um, Life is Strange, it's by the same people. So Life is Strange, I don't know. Have you guys played that game? Nope. Yeah, didn't think so. But it's sort of like they do um, magic, but it's magical realism, but they often ground them in, like, the last ones have all been like either teen or children main characters who are dealing with teen children home life problems or being queer like life is strange and so they are kind of the right people who i trust more to handle this topic but it's going to be have the uh, main character a playable character the first trans man you can be as a playable character in any big gaming studio so not to take checkpoints uh <laughs> topics off them but um yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited for that. I actually might play this game. I'm terrible at actually playing the games I'm interested in, yeah. but I actually probably will do this one. Well, you'd rather read a book normally. Well, I just don't have the time nor any skill. Just any skill in gaming, zero. So, Anna, <laughs> earlier you were actually saying to me that since you started the hormones, you actually think that you have better dexterity and hand-to-eye coordination. Yeah, like I feel like I can multitask a lot better, right? And because... Before hormone treatment, I could not play Grand Theft Auto quite successfully, <laughs> and quite as a, a quite an anarchist as I am in the game these days. So, yeah, so that's fairly interesting because you told me how the the arguments women women top often is that they lack the spatial awareness and the coordination, but. For me, I actually improved. Like, I improved with everything because, like, I feel like my senses are heightened. So, yeah, like, I, it, it's just a lot better. 
so it's not just like you just got really good because you spent more time. No, it's you know what I mean. I hardly had time. Estrogen really. is a superpower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a super. And uh, speaking of games, you know, opening ways. Well, this is another reason why I keep playing Pokemon. Apart from introducing cross-dressing culture with Jesse and James, mm. the most recent games of Pokemon Sword and Shield. The opening scene, instead of asking whether you're a boy or a girl, they ask you which of the characters below do you look like the most. The thing is, like, I don't think most people would even care. Like, it's yeah. such a small detail, but it's actually incredibly meaningful when you're a trans it's, it's person, so especially amazing. a non-binary person. Because, uh-huh. like, there's a lot of games where it's like, even if you are, um, you know, you, all right, I'm a trans man, fine, I can pick the man gender, that's fine. But then you also like, they'll be like, these are your clothing character options for dressing your character and then the women's options will be these only options and it's just like oh god like can't we do it doesn't actually need to be that way it's just coded that way for essentially no reason it's like a few weeks ago we talked about the fact that there are now some non-binary um emojis Mm. out there so you can have male female or somewhere in between yeah and while it probably doesn't matter to anyone who identifies at either end it matters a hell of a lot to people well, that are gender diverse all additive it's not like taking anything away it's a new emoji it's not like we're removing gender from emojis we're just being like oh here's another option if you want it mm. but um it also i always think about like when is when are we going to get to a point like you know i think of like the oscars or like big award ceremonies where they're like best actress best actor best supporting actress best actor what is a non-binary when when are non-binary people going to become like significant enough that either they just stop doing that or there's like another category and when are they going to open that category because i'm assuming there's always there's going to be a point where it's like there's maybe two or three significantly famous non-binary actors and they have to win every year i think it's the same with sport yeah right and without getting too far into it you know in elite sports there's an argument to be said to allow clinicians to have some say in male versus female categorization but in non-elite sport you know in triathlon we have age groups but we have male age groups and female age groups yeah and in certainly in um half iron man and in iron man women are actually outperforming men and catching men quicker and some of the biggest endurance races this year have actually been won right out by women so at some point in the not too distant future i can see an endurance sport like triathlon going to just age groups for non-elite and then having male and female for the elite yeah my mom did the uh ironman in kona um when i was like 14 i think she got like nine and a half hours or something my mom's insane she's an athlete but like that's the thing like both my parents are very sport people which i am not and i've had this argument with them so many times i've talked had arguments with my dad about like no, nah, I reckon every football should just be played like, you know, if you, especially if you're like a local football, I'm like, why is it separate? Because I remember our local team, which is important to our family, um, like just the local little league type deal was just like, why, why do they like brought in a women's team? I'm like, can't they just let the girls be in all of the age groups? Because one, they were struggling to fit, like get girls for every single age group because it was a new thing. And then they'll go like, oh, well, I guess there's no demand. And I'm like, no, maybe just like open up 
because they're like under tens and who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. They're, they're ten. And actually, at <laughs> the 15. age of ten, the, the girls typically are bigger than the boys anyway. Yeah. So it's like at the age of like twelve to thirteen, it changes. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, interesting. We also have the Tilda Film Festival. Who we, we spoke to them um, a few weeks ago. That lineup is coming. That's starting next week. Yeah, it is. So the opening night is on next Thursday at, at more or less the same time as our show. Um, they're playing Becoming Colleen and Framing Agnes. But there's a whole load of things happening, and we'll talk about some of them next week as well. There's a youth session on Friday. Uh, which is a fabulous collection of local and international dramas and documentaries around young, trans and gender diverse people. And then on Friday, later after youth session, you have Venus plus Chutia. Venus by Asia Majara. It's, a, it's like a comedy drama based around a South Asian transgender woman going through trials and tribulations of coming out to friends and family and the society and then somehow she uh, discovered that she had a teenage son um, who could you know who she conceived with her former high school girlfriend mm-hmm. Chutia by Vishnu Prasad is about discovering a roommate suicide and you know <coughs> sort of go into introspe- introspective journey you know in Indian mythology and uh, the whole gender binary sort of strict way and yeah of the childhood and a gut-wrenching but ultimately uplifting portrayal of growing up third gender in southern India. You've been hanging out with... With the Hishras. Yes. Yeah. So the, the bunch of Hishras I've met and I've been trying to promote is um, they are like Indian-based Malaysian. So um, so there's another layers of persecution they have to run from especially from the Muslim community as well. So very moving stories you know very rich as well so yeah yeah talking of trans movies you i really want to talk about this because you put in our sort of group chat this week an article sort of praising the movie um boys don't cry which if you don't know is what 1998 or nine 20 years ago so wow 20 years ago oh my god Um, it's the anniversary now i was one (laughs) (laughs) i was much older than one. You don't have to give a number. I'm twice your age. Okay. At least. (laughs) But yeah, so we were talking about how that movie for you was really affirming and then me, when I was older and watched it, was really traumatising and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer but I, yeah, do you want to like talk about that because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean it's, for to start with thank you for picking me up on it. So in the chat I said, you know, as, as a butch lesbian, I found it really affirming and it was it was the first time I thought I realised that a woman could be trans and very correctly, Rowan, thank you, someone who was defined as female at birth. Yeah, so DFAB is a really good term if you don't know that. DFAB or DMAB is like defined female at birth or uh, designated to find one of those words. It's just a really good overarching term to just chuck in when you don't know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, so for me, it it brought an awareness of... um, trans guys i mm. think I, I had some experience with you know I, drag queens and and some trans women but um yeah i didn't even know i, I probably did know some trans guys but i didn't know that they were trans guys at yeah. the time well i think we 
historically have been like lumped in with the butch lesbian community, even like by choice. It's not like if you go back like a hundred years, they were the same thing. Historically, we can claim there's a lot of like people who you're like, well, it's hard to know. It's very hard to know if they were alive today, what they would identify as. So you kind of have to leave it. So we have a shared history and even though I'm a gay trans man, I did identify as like a butch lesbian before I came out. Not because I really understood what I was doing. I was just a teenager, but because I saw that community and went, that's, I think that's where I want to be because that's the, like I looked at them and saw the style and the sort of community they had and went, didn't know that being a trans man was an option and went, I guess that's right. And so I tried to do that and then went, and then eventually ended up being trans and a man is a thing. Uh, which is hard to find out about sometimes, and went, oh, shit, okay, yeah. <laughs> and had to, like, like I think a lot of trans men do, like, go through the stepping stone uh, because we don't learn enough in school or at home about transgender people when we're kids. So in the media there was butch lesbians, not very much, but more than there was trans men. And so when I was, like, a teenager, I was still was identifying as, like, uh butch lesbian at the time uh, when I watched Boys Don't Cry and one, I don't do violence very good and so I wasn't didn't know what the movie was about. Someone just said, oh, this is a movie about a lesbian and I went, I'll watch it and then I watched it and it was really triggering and horrible to watch just because it has a lot of like it's a true story, it has like really confronting themes and also because I was like, oh my god what is this? And I didn't know why I was upset. <laughs> I think so it's not just the movie it's also partially like a personal thing mm-hmm. but I think like for a long time Boys Don't Cry has like def- been like the trans man movie and there's obviously a lot of like issues we can see with the film it now being like well there's a cis female actor which is not something that's great but it's also 20 years ago so what do you do um, but I think also like the depiction of like the violence is just really hard to watch if you're actually a part of the community as opposed to like being like adjacent to the community and so also being an adult watching it is very different to being like 14 or 15 or whatever I was so you know just go into the movie with prior knowledge uh, of that kind of stuff and you might actually like get something out of it even if you are a trans man but I haven't watched it since then and I'm probably not gonna watch it. <laughs> no. Are there any films that you find affirming like around the not trans gonna lie sea, there I, aren't any. <laughs> I came from Vietnam right and so the government really controlled the media and in my time, when Silence of the Lambs first came out, so interestingly enough, like they do control the content we watch, but they don't censor it. So at a young age, I was like, what, five years old when Silence of the Lambs came out? Ish, five-ish, or maybe younger. And the first, yeah, so Buffalo Bill scarred me for life. And I think that somehow delivered a message to my parents that, yeah, like these are the degenerates. The, the you know, and it also because in that particular neighborhood, the poorest family has a trans lady and she was sort of mentally ill and she was very, she was treated very badly within that particular neighborhood. And she constantly had like stuff thrown at her. So funny. It's, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's not a pretty um, childhood to grow up in if you were trans. I'm still waiting for a good trans guy movie to really like. There are some guys in, in TV shows and stuff, but I, I mean, there was one movie that was meant to come out a few years ago and then it was never released Do you by mean the, the Scarlett Johansson? No, oh, no. Right. There was one that was made and it was about like a teenage trans boy, but it was 
played by a cis... It was meant to come out the same year as The Danish Girl. The trailers were released around the same time, and then The Danish Girl came out, and then they just decided never to release it. Um, so it's just sort of in limbo somewhere. But that movie exists if you want to, I don't know, hack into a giant studio and get it. it. Let's look it up. Because eh? <laughs> we usually bring topics and world news to discuss. I thought it would be really interesting. So the UN has determined that the Australian media's coverage of trans issues is a breach of our human rights. And it's, it's an article from the Australian Guardian, um, which is really interesting to me because... The Australian and American Guardians are really good when it comes to talking about trans issues. And the UK Guardian ha- gets a bit turfy and has had some pretty like rad femme uh, reporting on uh, trans issues in the last few years. I think Almost like a New South Wales... Uh, New South Wales Greens. Yeah. 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 Um, because I, I think like earlier this year, uh, the American Guardian like literally went, hey, stop it. Like, no. <laughs> Because, like, they're run by different, completely different people, but they are associated, and they're like, hey, no, you can't say that. You can't be making those kinds of comments. So both, like, one, I think it's really interesting, but, like, how do you guys feel about Australian media coverage in the last, I guess, like, five years? Well, I think anything that's owned by the Murdoch family is going to be... Bad. Bad. Um, I, I think clearly it's coming from one side of the tracks and we quite often on the show when we're talking about things I'll have two different articles about the same topic and one comes from something that's liberal and is talking about the positives and one's talking about the negatives. Yeah, it's really funny because sometimes we do bring topics that it's like, well this article did hate us but we're going to talk about it because we disagree with them. It's, it's, um, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, like, the fight. Like, it's just, like, two siblings fighting each other. Over, yeah. yeah and, um, but it does affect people, and it kind of, I guess, says a lot about what is it different in. in, I guess, Australia, America, and the UK. Um, I think the America, uh, like, feminist groups are much more supportive of trans women than in the UK. I think that's pretty... <laughs> Uh, apparent, at least high up in the running of like a lot of like uh, old school feminist groups that have been around for a while. And then in Australia, we're a little bit like, I don't know, I think we're still in this in between like we usually are. Well, but but we're also not as, I don't think we're in the news that much. But then at the same time, like, you know, we constantly mirror America. And recently, yeah. Hillary Clinton, you know, made a statement around, around trans rights is a threat to feminism. Mm. And have you read that? I think, that? I think you need to read the whole thing. Yeah, I did read her statement. And I, I was like, okay, so it's interesting how the media saying that you know, she's a bit transphobic in her statement. But then I read the whole interview and she did give certain explanation. Kind of makes sense. There is nuance to it. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, it's like she, of course, she, was, she had been trained and she had been prepped to deal with these things as well. We, we, we really don't know what the politician thinks, honestly. So, yeah. yeah. But it, it's interesting to see that through a third party, to yeah, it just got smeared. And, yeah. yeah. On, on the same topic, actually, I was reading earlier that the um, Scottish Parliament mm. uh, decided that for the Trans Awareness Week that they would run an event and they obviously just Googled, like, trans experts or trans opinions and and they got a feminist on who had done many many articles turf yeah. articles but they'd done it by accident because they believed that she was 
yeah. pro-trans, but they hadn't read what Anything. she'd actually written. I think that's like a problem because I don't I I talk I've men, I mentioned turfs to people and they're like I don't know what that is and I'm like oh you live in a dream <laughs> like because like I think a lot of people outside of the trans community don't know what a turf is so it stands for um, trans exclusion exclusionary radical feminist um, and it's sort of a sect of feminism that is incredibly harsh towards trans women and. I guess view trans men as just sort of brainwashed and sad women. That's the sort of vibe I've got. They don't talk about us much. It's sort of easier for them if they don't mention us. But when I have seen them sort of talk about trans men, they're just like, those poor girls. And it's like, okay, all right, weird, but okay. (laughs) Um, There's also the... uh, Trans, in, in lighter news, there's um, a, a trans dad and his wife who used his eggs to have a son, but his wife carried the baby, yeah. which is kind of like having a chimera because then she doesn't have any like DNA connection to the no, baby. No, but she did carry the baby. No, but it's like, because that's possible even without like, um, like that's what I mean. It's like a chimera that can happen where, you know, you don't have... Um, a DNA in common with your baby. There was a law, there was a court case about it a while ago where they were like, well, this doctor's like, well, I did see this baby like be birthed out of this woman. And they're like, well, her DNA results are not matching this child. And they found out like she has a rare genetic condition that means like this can happen. But it's really cool because it's like they had um, uh, someone else uh, like, I believe, what what's it called? Inseminate? I don't know these. IVF. I I, do IVF. the IVF process. And so I guess that it's cool how they've sort of... I've never heard of a trans um, and cis couple using this method to both kind of be a part of the experience, if you know what I mean. Because, like, obviously he had to detransition slightly so his ovaries could work to the extent that they could be, like, used and then retransition again. Unless he'd saved the eggs before. No, I I read that he actually had to do that, which is, like, a lot of commitment. Like, I think he had to do it for, like, six months or or more, which is, like, a lot to have to deal with because, you know, your estrogen kicks back in and it can be really annoying, but also just really emotional to have your hormones literally be up and down in that way. But I don't know. I just think it's sort of, like, yeah. Because I've never considered doing that. Like, it's never been something I... But you come from a big family, so would you like to have kids one day? Well, it's not about, like, whether I'd want kids. I come from a family that has had a lot of adopted and fostered people, like a lot of people on my mum and my dad's side. I have heaps of cousins who I'm like, oh, yeah, right, you're adopted. Like, I I just would forget and or fostered or my mum and a lot of her siblings spent some time in, um, like, you know, care, and so... For me, it's like there's never been really an, a genetic issue. Like, so I understand to an extent like this being important to some people, but I'm also like, that seems like such an effort to go through, like a really cool and amazing effort. And I'm not gonna tell them that's a bad idea. I just personally don't like. I can't understand it when there's kids waiting to be adopted. I don't know. Well, I, Anna, you, you were saying <laughs> to me pretty. earlier, you are super broody at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I guess, like, the more estrogen seeps into my body, like, the prettier I get. And I f- it seems like I'm the only pretty person in the room right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like wanted kids. to show me a picture of a kid earlier and I was, like, almost running away. I was like, this is my cute 12-year-old sister all dressed up in a costume. And you were like, don't. Don't. I, nah, can't do kids. I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
She's really cute though, but all right. <laughs> Again, like you know, if you're as pretty as I am and identify <laughs> as a trans female, then like there's hope, you know, that you can actually now have your like an implanted uterus. Yeah, that's been. Also, they're looking thing. at whether or not you can have a transplant. Yeah. Yeah, and then also, uh, so so some trans women out there successfully breastfed her baby as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, just adjust the hormones and all of that. So that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I would love the idea of carrying a person inside me, but, you know, I will lose my thighs, so perhaps <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> priorities, yes. I don't know. Priorities. I'm still just kind of amazed at how, like, science keeps progressing for trans people. Like, every yeah. year or month, there's just this new article where they're like, and they managed to do this, and I'm like, they what? <laughs> um, <laughs> next week... Uh, yeah, we are going to be talking to Jeremy, Jeremy from TDG Health Ballarat, who is a part of a really, really cool initiative for trans people. Mm-hmm. Also, if you are a trans musician or have one to recommend, or you have a message for us or an event you want us to call out, please email us at transpov at joy.org.au. Thank you for being on radio with me tonight. We This is not going to be going on for too long because we're going to be uh, switching over. Two more weeks of all of us together, hopefully. Um, yeah, so... Good night to everyone. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.